Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. are listening to Radio Maria and this is our program Awakenings where we have testimonies of faith and conversion and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio today by Mark Houston who is uh, a friend of Joanna Bogles which places him in a in a very large uh, category um, Joanna's great friend of the of the radio and uh, and it's a real pleasure to to have you with us today, Mark. Welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Great pleasure to be here with you today. And Mark, first of all, um, before we get into you know your your story of conversion, just tell us a little bit about um, who you are and and what you do. Okay, so I work in the civil service. Uh, sort of grew up down in the in the New Forest, a very loving family. I'll talk more about that uh, shortly. Uh, and now, sort of live in Woking in Surrey, uh, but work in London. Okay, and uh, and I just think for anybody who um, is not from England or maybe even the the south of England, uh, when they hear the New Forest, um, we think of a, a very new wooded place. And uh, tell tell us what the New Forest is is like, because yeah. it's not really a forest and it's not that new is it it's certainly not new it was new at the time of william the conqueror when he came over who established that forest of course and it kept the name uh certainly not very new now it has some lovely wooded areas in it but also a lot of vast plains it's still one of my favorite parts of the countryside and i'm very lucky to be able to go back and visit family in the new forest i sort of really enjoy walking and spending time outside it's actually a very good spiritual reflection from me so aptly lovely place uh but it's just quite away from uh, a lot of places so uh, i do quite enjoy being up nearer to the city these days as well yeah and have you ever visited the dominican sisters there i haven't yet now that's something i very much want to do okay you have to get there they're, Thank uh, you. they're regular guests on the radio and they're uh their priory and particularly their their chapel which is a converted sort of barn is really beautiful and, and then in very new forest fashion every now and then you just get sort of ponies wandering into into their enclosure um, but sort of having said grown up in the New Forest, tell us then a little bit about um, about your sort of uh, youth and, and and whether sort of faith was a, a part of your growing up. Yeah, I grew up in what I describe as a very loving family. My sister and I were brought up to have very good values, but I describe it as an agnostic family. My parents never went as far as to say God doesn't exist, but faith essentially played absolutely no role in uh, 
in my growing up. And I'd actually go further than that. My parents were essentially disliked the church. They were quite anti the church. And in particular, they sort of didn't like Catholicism. I was brought up to believe that Catholicism was some very strange sect that did all sorts of very odd things. So I actually had a very negative view of that uh, growing up in my youth. What, what's, what sort of things would be, would be said or where, where, where do you think that was coming from? I think it came a lot from how my parents were brought up. Uh, I would be told all sorts of myths. I was told from a very young age that the Catholic Church had this Pope who was a man, and they said it very much it's a man because the Church doesn't really believe that uh, women play a role in leadership, and that this man is sort of perfect and inf- or believed to be perfect and infallible, and gets sort of, but well, believes he's getting a, having a hotline to God, and he will sort of hear messages. My parents thought you know he's simply making them up, and then sort of you know the at that point around a billion. Catholics across the globe then followed that quite blindly. Yeah, uh, they believed that it was quite a controlling church. It had doctrine because it indoctrinated people. It had dogma because it was dogmatic, and it had a particular way of doing things. And it kind of looked down on other churches. I was told that uh, you know it uh, it charged for confession. It charged for virtually anything. It sort of wanted to build up lots of gold in the church, essentially to sort of show off sort of how grand the church was. But you know, not necessarily sort of being charitable uh, to the people. Uh, and the incentive it was controlling, it was saying about, you know, uh, you know what people's sex lives should be, etc., how people should live, without really sort of actually caring and sort of taking any uh, taking any uh, direction from, from God or the scriptures. Mm. Yeah, and that would be sort of quite a quite a widespread set of beliefs and, and, and even what you were saying about sort of papal infallibility there mm. made me think that there's quite a lot of Catholics who, who in fact, I think that would be their view of infallibility and so either they'd sort of reject it or they would have a sort of a distorted understanding um uh of it and it was interesting to to think that um actually the words hocus pocus um that it that is a sort of a, a protestant um jibe at, at, at catholics that's where that comes from it's a it's a corruption of the words of institution in latin um hoc es corpus meum um, so which people would say Catholicism, well, that's just a load of hocus pocus. Interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't realised that, so that's helpful to know. But I'd certainly believe that the church was praying for the dead and somehow bringing spirits into people. Of course, now I understand you know, that it brings the Holy Spirit down. And so the priest mm. sort of bring you know, the, the sacrifice of Jesus sort of happens over and over again at the Mass. But I had this, I was actually quite scared, even to the extent where I didn't really want to be near a Catholic church building because I thought there's something funny going on here with sort of the incense road around the bells, all this sort of spiritual movement, people sort of doing this hail Mary praying to this what a woman who I no longer believed was alive. Mm. Fascinating. And so then tell us a, a little bit about uh, school and like where did where did you go to school and did religious education have any effect on on these beliefs? I went to a Church of England school. Uh, not because it was Church of England, it just happened to be the local school, but I was taught a good religious education curriculum. And of course, it was a Protestant uh, curriculum, so again, it sort of reinforced some of the um, stereotypes and myths about Catholicism. But I did get a very good grounding in church teaching. Now, my parents said they had a particular issue with Catholicism, 
church itself they thought was irrelevant. They didn't really believe Jesus was who he said he was, that he was sort of some conjurer. But, you know, they weren't actually sort of completely against the church. I grew up, you know, understanding the church teachings. I did go to Sunday school. My parents were sort of thought it was helpful if I wanted to to have that opportunity. Although, you know, when I got interested in going to masses and I got interested in uh, confirmation class at one point, my parents were like, yeah, you don't want to do that. There's plenty of other things that you would rather do. So I kind of lost interest, I suppose. I kept the good grounding of the teaching. And it's, I'm really pleased I had that foundation that really sort of supported my conversion. Okay. It's fascinating. Do you, do you have any idea where this sort of, like from your parents, what seems like indifference towards Christianity in general, but maybe a sort of buy into values, but, but actually an, an animus towards Catholicism? Do you know where that stems from or...? I think it was their upbringing. Uh, my great-grandmother, that's my mother's mother's mother, uh, was brought up an Anglican and converted to Catholicism. Mm. And there was a lot of, there's quite a bit of tension because my grandmother refused to convert. She went to a convent school where she was unhappy. And it was just all put down to there's something wrong with Catholicism. And sadly, my great-grandmother also had a number of mental health issues. Mm. And there was this belief that a number of her mental health issues were related to somehow to the Catholicism, which of course wasn't the case. Uh, but neither of my parents had ever really been to a mass apart from a wedding mass, so it wasn't really based on any actual evidence. It was just based on a lot of hearsay. And what, and I think you know, we are in a country, sadly, where there is a little bit of hostility towards Catholicism, mm. even when you look at sort of Guy Fawkes Night, etc., and a lot of the teachings about you know what Catholicism has done. And of course, when I was growing up, the troubles were still ongoing in Northern Ireland, and there was this belief that you know, look, this is what Catholicism teaches. Yeah, like I I was looking up something recently i forget why but um i was amazed when i when i saw how close together the dates of catholic emancipation and the and the abolition of slavery were i think it in our heads we think of um the abolition of slavery being something much more recent and sort of catholic emancipation as having happened ages ago and catholics having lots of liberties but actually I think we do we do well as Catholics to to remember that the, the history of our persecution and in, in fact the the history of sort of our not being legitimately able to practice our faith is is much 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 more recent than than sometimes we 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 realize. Um, just sort of turning back to your to your schooling a bit, I I was I went to a, a Church of England um, prep school as well and sort of received a, a very general instruction in in the in the faith but not with a, more, more a feeling than than actually any real dogma were there were there any um christian pupils at the school who were a a, a good example to you like any any christian influences during your time at school it was a mixture. There were other Christian pupils, some of whom were good people and I think were, were following the teachings. Don't, I didn't really talk a huge amount to them about about faith. I don't think it had to, they, they didn't have a huge amount of influence on me from a faith perspective. But you know what it's like when there's a negative influence, that stands out in your memory a lot more. Mm. And I do remember pupils and actually indeed teachers as well. <laughs> who you know were professing the faith and they were very good at going around talking about the moral values and there's a lot of around the values and how we should live our lives etc you know we're all very good but it didn't feel that those people were actually living it out so not just was i sort of you know at that time certainly not convinced far from it actually about uh, them being true but i thought well actually these people aren't living it out so you know the church is not actually a force for good in the world okay and then and then second secondary school where did you go I went to a secular secondary school. 
uh, again, I've sort of met many people of faith, uh, but I, by that time I was very sort of scientific, I enjoyed science, I was very logical, I'd lost interest in Sunday school, my parents have obviously hadn't really sort of put much into sort of keeping me there, and I wanted to be able to explain the whole world by science. I was, you know, convinced that, you know, the church was not doing a, a good service to people, and that, you know, it would be much better if we understood the scientific truths, and I essentially, I was an atheist, and I, I promoted atheism, I promoted sort of good values be kind to people love other people all that kind of thing but actually you know it's not driven by any scripture it's not driven by a deity that's just you know living a good moral life and i wanted to just understand science a lot more and be able to explain the world through that there was no need for me to have any kind of god or deity or any faith fascinating did you have any sort of atheist um sort of intellectual influences was there any reading or, or people whose arguments stood out to you uh my late grandfather absolutely my maternal grandfather who was actually a wonderful man and a lot of that he actually held a lot of christian values looking back he, he really had a massive influence i spent a lot of time they, they didn't live very far they were also in the new forest but he was incredibly scientific i remember him making a number of cassettes to explain why is it that people have believed in a god where did this god come from but you know essentially people wanted to believe that there was an afterlife saying that they created a god they couldn't explain something so there's a, a god gap they bring in that actually there's a god that does that they you know having a battle they want to believe that there's something actually that's going to be supporting them they're scared they bring in actually there's a god it can't be a god that's actually physically here because when that's destroyed it's like oh well, that can't exist so therefore they, they bring in a sky god and i was very wedded to that that whole ideology i spent a lot of time talking about it and thinking about it and I, i'd absolutely convinced myself and i went through sort of several years so certainly right through my secondary school and into my sort of uh into my early adulthood with exactly those beliefs when i was at university i met a number of catholics and that's when i realized that a lot of what i'd believed sort of in my childhood about catholicism or the myths i talked about just now actually weren't true I realised that I loved the universality of the church. I loved the the the, the deep-rooted sort of everything was very deep-rooted in traditions, and I loved the fact that it, it was led by revelation scripture as opposed to you know, popularity. And I really sort of liked the teachings. I had a lot of respect for a lot of the people I met at the university of Catholic and Protestant faith, yeah. and it really changed my thinking. Okay, well, let's. Um, I'm fascinated to to hear about how that how that came about and what you were what you were studying and what you were doing in your free time at university that led to that happening. Let's just um, pause for your first uh, music um, selection. Now we're going to listen to that um, lovely hymn, uh, Liv "Living Living Lord," and then after the the music, we will be back to hear more from our guest Mark Houston on. Um, how his time at, time at university started to lead to an, uh, an awakening um, with regards to the truths of the Catholic faith.
are listening to Radio Maria, and this is the program Awakenings, giving you testimonies of faith and conversion. And uh, we're delighted to be joined in the studio today by Mark uh, Houston, um, who just before that piece of music was describing his uh, his childhood growing up in the in in the New Forest, um, and uh, and moving from a a sort of what sounded to me like a, a sort of general agnosticism, but with a suspicion of Catholics um, in his secondary school years to uh, a, a, a more staunch um, atheism. And then he he just left us on the on the little cliffhanger before the music break of how things changed at university, how he moved from this scientism to uh, an, an openness to the to the to the church. Um, and so, first of all, what did you study at university, Mark, and where, where were you studying? I was at the University of Reading. I studied mathematics. Okay. Um, so, of a, of a sort of continuing on your general trajectory of, of thinking how, uh, you know, science, science would explain everything around the world. And so then what, what, what happened? I got to know a number of Christian people and a number of Catholic people and started to realise that things weren't as I had originally sort of believed there to be. That said, I still at that point, you know, in my sort of late teens, early 20s, didn't feel any connection with the church. I moved from being really cynical of the church and believing that, you know, it was not doing good to believing actually it does do a lot of good and there are some very good people in there promoting that good. But I wasn't really sort of feeling any connection with the church church i still at that point didn't really believe that the scripture was true i wasn't anti it but i didn't actually believe that it was true uh, at that point my parents actually found found god uh, so what I, I was going on one trajectory sort of against and they were sort of they were actually finding god and they said you know that, that they joined the methodist church and they said well you know come along to some services and, you know, given as i said i was open at that point so i went along but it, it really wasn't doing anything for me so i i stopped going and essentially went back so you know, i had a little bit of a sort of wobble towards oh yes you know let's explore it you know it could actually be something for me it could be right but actually it wasn't really doing anything for me so essentially i went then back on my old path and sort of following my old ways okay well a uh, whole whole host of questions comes up there F- firstly what was what was going on with your with your parents and and how did they how did they discover methodism I think it was when my mum's parents died. Mum realised there were things that couldn't be put down to just coincidences. She believed, you know, the whole way, particularly when her mother was dying, she believed that, you know, her mother was sort of looking to something else, that there was something, you know, she wasn't just sort of dying, you know, she would be moving to somewhere else. And my mum at that point had a, a colleague who she was doing a job, she was a teacher, and the, the other teacher who was also... Uh, teaching her class uh, was a deacon at the Methodist Church and mum actually became very open and then dad kind of said oh yeah well I've always been a bit open but you know I've never sort of you know really thought about sort of pursuing it so they went along to the church and mum felt very touched by the Holy Spirit uh, and as did dad at that time shortly afterwards as well so uh, that's how you know they, they found their faith I was you know always sympathetic i was always tolerant uh, but i kind of made clear to them you know after having tried a few services i don't think it's for me i'm not really feeling any 
I just don't feel God there. Uh, the script, the, the the Bible readings are interesting, the the sermons interesting, but you know I'd put that on the same level as if someone wants to analyse some Greek mythology or some text by William Shakespeare. Mm. Uh, the hymns, yes, they're lovely, that they make me feel good inside. But I could put the radio on, I could listen to all sorts of music, religious or otherwise, and I'd have a similar feeling. I'm, I'm not sort of, I'm not actually feeling anything here, really. Yeah, and just for for those of our listeners who who've never been to a, a Methodist service, can you can you d- describe roughly what what goes on there? I would usually describe it as it's not actually as, as dissimilar from the Catholic services. A lot of people believe the teachings are a little bit diff- different, and I did have some problems actually with some discrepancies between you know what the scripture says and and what people were teaching. But essentially, it, it's a plainer version in some ways, a sort of a simplified version. You know, it has it has Bible readings, it has a sermon, it has hymns, it has prayers, and then once a month there is Holy Communion. So there's not a belief that you know the it's the actual uh, body and blood of our saviour jesus christ is believed to be a representation but you know they go through that sort of holy communion uh and and they profess their faith and as i said you know about 90 percent of it uh, of the beliefs are, are pretty identical to the catholicism even to the extent that when i eventually did manage to get my mother to come to a catholic service which is very very difficult uh but she did come along and she said actually it's not really that different is it mark i kind of get what you mean mm. And many of uh, of our listeners' fav- favorite hymns, whether they know them or not, will, will probably have their origins in uh, from Wesley and, and Methodism. They were great, great hymn writers, the early Methodists. They absolutely were, and had some sort of very good teachings. And looking back now, I can see where I don't agree theologically with, with John Wesley, but I can see exactly where he was coming from hmm. in a lot of the things he was teaching in his communities. Yeah, and actually the area where um we are i only only found out about 18 months ago that this area is perhaps gospel oak um and that is named after the uh the the oak um where wesley wesley preached and so it got known as gospel oak um after after that um which is one of the things you always do in in london just try and find out a little bit about the place names where you where you live because there's a a really rich history underneath the the surface there um I wanted to ask you about this sort of time at university as your as your parents were sort of getting into methodism and you you mentioned sort of discussions with people which were leading to a, a greater openness to to christianity and to catholicism where where were these discussions sort of taking place what was the context for them it was people I'd met in my halls of residence, not so much my course, but people I met in, in halls of residence. And of course, there was the Christian Union. There were also they were Catholic groups, but obviously, given my sort of, you know, how I'd sort of previously thought, I didn't go along to the sort of Catholic events, and I wasn't sort of sure I'd necessarily be that welcome. You know, in many ways, I wished I had now, but certainly went along to the the Christian Union and uh, had a number of discussions with people uh, there, and just sort of in the dining hall, sort of passing, you know, in the corridors, and it's just always coincidence. A lot of the people I chose as friends happened to have faith, so it kind of a natural opening mm. and so what, what were the sort of the next steps from there what what led as you were saying your sort of initial experiences of of methodist worship didn't really move you what started to to push or to take you more from sort of openness to to, to belief uh, that actually came several years later. I mean, following university, I went off and sort of you know, prioritised my career and sort of getting a property and all the sort of other things that you know are not sort of faith based. 
Uh, but then there was a couple of things in the back of my mind. As I said, I was very scientific. I like to be able to explain everything scientifically. I want to explore how I can explain the world uh, w- with science. And I realized there were some things that just weren't quite making sense. So there were things that, you know, they clearly were miracles, but I couldn't explain that. You know, how can people know certain things? Certain things that, you know, can't be put down purely to uh, to coincidence. Actually, how did the world come to be? It's not just looking at it scientifically, you know, that if it's all randomness and just all around, you know, random collisions of atoms, it would take billions and billions of years, essentially, just to get very simple cells, let alone the complex organisms that, uh, that we're seeing today. And I thought, you know, why am I questioning the validity of the Gospels? You know, I'm questioning, you know, is it true? Could it be true? But then I'm believing, you know, the, 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 conquer, the conquering of... By um, Julius Caesar of, of this country, and I'm believing all sorts of other things that were written at a similar time, which has no more of an evidence base than the Gospels. And this this didn't make sense to me. I had to explore it further. But rather than saying, okay, well, let's be open to to faith again. Let's explore that, which would arguably be the logical and sensible thing to do, given my past. No, I decided I wanted to be convinced of atheism. I wanted to be absolutely sure and be able to sort of argue and put forward logic to anyone who challenges me on it and I could always come up uh, with an answer so uh, instead of going to scripture at that point uh, my source was um, uh, atheist scientists uh, there's a lot of people around you don't have to sort of put things into Google and uh, or into YouTube and you'll get all sorts of, of things that will come up and I spent hours and hours listening uh, to those uh, those clips and reading about it and in some ways it did answer some questions but it didn't really answer everything i still couldn't quite explain you know how the world was to be uh so i wasn't quite sure what to do so i thought at that point i thought actually i'll read the bible but i wasn't reading the bible again from the perspective of you know because i want to be open to it i wanted to disprove scripture at that point and i'd heard on a lot from a lot of these scientists that you know they say there's these inherent contradictions in the bible and it completely defies science science has actually shown that things cannot have happened in the way that the bible describes so i thought well what better way to sort of convince myself of this than to actually go into scripture read it and then say you know actually yeah lovely story had some mean to people thousands of years ago but you know actually not really relevant today so I opened my Bible up to read it from the beginning for two reasons. Partly, beginning is often the best place to start. And secondly, you know, I was very familiar, sort of having had a, a Christian education, I was very familiar with, with Scripture. And it's the part that is believed to have the most contradictions. That's what sort of atheists mm. are saying. So, uh, so I opened the Bible up and, and started reading. So who who were the who were the people who you were watching online at that point? Looking to me of an age whereby it could be sort of Dawkins and Harris and Lawrence Krauss, who were by that stage prominent, or were there were they amongst them? Were there others? They were definitely amongst them, and also the late Christopher Hitchens. Okay, as, as another character that I listened to a lot. They all say very similar things. Yes. Yeah, so the, what what did they get called at one point? Was it the sort of the 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 four headed sort of horseman of the of the apocalypse, or or something, or, or the four headed horse of the sort of the atheist? things but um yeah like they were they've sort of rather faded out of public consciousness now but they were a a really sort of big deal for a while and and sort of quite dominating a lot of a lot of intellectual debate and obviously chris christopher hitchens um was uh whatever you might think of him was a you know brilliant rhetorician um and could run rings around people who might have better arguments than him but didn't have nearly as good 
rhetorical um, skills. Um, as you as you were talking, they reminded me a little bit of a, a couple of um, sort of famous converts, sort of Alistair McIntyre, who went uh, was went about trying to disprove to- Thomism, um and went about it with such integrity um, in examining it that he found, found himself actually persuaded by it and led to his conversion, and also um, also. Uh, Things uh, Lee, Lee Strobel, who I was mentioning to our listeners recently, whose whose wife had a big conversion experience, and then he used his his skills as a as a legal reporter to um he decided to to investigate the the truth of the gospels using um sort of le- legal criteria, and and wrote a book about it the the case the case for the case for Christ. Um, let's go to an, another piece of music um, now and then we'll hear more about your sort of uh, reading of the of, of, of the scriptures and, uh, and and what sort of took your reading from them or wh- where the where the contradictions um, that you thought were there turned out not to not to be there um, and we're going to listen to your second selection which is amazing uh, grace and this time I've taken the the liberty of uh, choosing a band who I'm a a big fan of, uh, an American Christian band called the, The Petersons.
You're listening to Radio Maria, and this is our program, Awakenings, with uh, stories of uh, and testimonies of faith and conversion. And we're delighted to be joined in the London studio today by uh, by Mark Houston. And we're we're just at the uh, I feel we're just at the crux uh, point um, because you opened the the Bible, Mark, sort of looking to to find the sort of the contradictions which the atheists had told you what you were going were inherent to it um and what what did you find very interesting experience i only read actually a few chapters i read through it must be up to about chapter eight or nine and i saw you know reading through you because know, even chapters one and two there seemed to be some inherent uh, contradiction which i kind of noted in my mind but then i suddenly got to this point where i became very emotional and very tearful and something suddenly hit me and i realized that i wasn't reading what was supposed to be scientific truth they weren't fact that you know we then have a debate around are they legitimate or not this is actually a much deeper meaning and i suddenly three sort of key messages hit me that that actually answered a number of the questions that i'd been answer, asking previously and thought eighty of them would be able to answer and I realised that something's telling me that actually there is one God, God created everything, that people are created in God's image, and that people have sinned and gone against God, and that we're in a fallen world. Obviously, there's a very sort of common and understood theology, sort of nothing, sort of, you know, no massive discovery there. But what was what had a big impact on me is I, I suddenly realised it was a message that I was getting. And I really realised that this was the Holy Spirit talking to me. This was the Holy Spirit sort of saying to me, Mark, you know, these are the messages. You know, you're not supposed to look at this as science. I want to talk to you and I want to explain to you. I want you to have a relationship with me. And I got more and more tearful and sort of funny, a mixture of emotions, happy in many ways, sadness, regret, anxiety, a little bit of fear. And I sort of kept all going around sort of in my mind. And I, I became suddenly very weak incredibly weak i had to stop sort of reading so i had tears swelled up in my eyes i was sat on my sofa at home at the time and very weak i actually fell down literally sort of fell off the sofa felt had very little virtually no control and i just called out please god show me the way and i remember just sort of crying and crying sort of, sort of almost screaming shouting all sorts of sort of uh, feelings going through me and realized that actually yeah, the holy spirit is here i need to have a relationship with god he's calling me gosh what a what a privilege to 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 hear thank you and was there was there like another voice in your head saying come on you can't believe any of this stuff or like how, how how was this experience that you were that you were having sort of relating to your previous intellectual convictions was there an argument going on within you or? no that's the interesting thing normally when i when i research things and look into things i, I like to weigh things up I'll, i look at i take a very logical approach i'll look at this and i'll read something else and i'll consider and you do a critical analysis of, of texts and look at multiple texts as the academic way of of doing things but i could there was nothing happening in my mind everything was just all around the holy spirit and you're being called and actually god loves you mark you know mm. i could really sort of feel almost there's a this very intense love for me 
uh, and I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't do anything else. And it must have sort of been around sort of 20 minutes or so of, of literally just sort of having this, I would say, of all of a positive experience, very, extremely positive, but obviously with a few sort of funny emotions uh, going through my mind as well at the same time. Incredible. And and what do you what do you do after an experience like that? Where where do where do you go next? Well, I had this. I, I I thought a lot about the sort of after that sort of twenty minutes of just sort of going through all those feelings and emotions. Uh, two things came into my mind. Firstly, I kept picturing my local Catholic church. And secondly, I remembered a lot of the conversations I'd had with a number of my Catholic friends at university. And I felt a real desire to go and explore the Catholic church. I also thought, and this is at this point, I was sort of thinking quite logically, you know, there can't be multiple truths. Truth isn't a relative thing in this, in, in, in this context. Uh, there can only be one true church of Jesus Christ. And I looked back to sort of the Bible passages I'd, I'd remembered from school, didn't look it up in the Bible, I sort of just remembered it, uh, when Jesus says to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. And I thought, actually, that is a church I want to explore. So my first step, and I sort of did it literally there and then, was to look up my local Catholic church. I knew where it was. I'd walked past it many times, but looked it up and got straight onto the parish office and explained what happened, said, you know, I want to come to Mass. You know, I see there are two Masses. Which one should I come to? Do I need to prepare anything, anything I need to know, etc.? But my sort of obsession then was, I've got to get to church. I've felt the Holy Spirit, but I need to grow in the Holy Spirit. You know, I feel I don't really know what I need to do next. I need God to show me the way. He's touched my heart. He's shown me I need a relationship with him. But what do I actually do? Do I read more scriptures? You know, do I go and talk to someone? What do I do? And I, I just felt my obsession with it's the church, it's the church, it's the church. And where, where were you living at this point? And what was your local church? I was in Woking. In Woking. Okay. And uh, and so then what what service did they did they tell you to come to and what what was your experience of of that they told me to come to the main mass and so not the children's mass mm -hmm. which is the was on earlier and it was actually a lovely experience uh, i often have a tendency my mind likes to wander my mind's very busy i've got lots on my mind and i multitask a lot but when i was in church i couldn't really think of anything other than faith and the experience i'd had and I mean, I, at the time thought coincidence, but no, it's actually a God incident. Uh, I went in then, sort of sat down, and just within about sort of 30 seconds later or so, I saw a former manager from work. Now, I knew that she lived in, in Woking, so I wasn't surprised to see her in the Woking area, but I didn't know that she was a Catholic, and she certainly wasn't expecting to, to see me at all. So I found actually, you know, I, I had someone, God had put someone there to actually uh, support me. Because when I went in, no one kind of said, oh, you know, we haven't seen you before, you know, welcome here. This is, this is how things run. I was a little bit, you know, I was given sort of various bits of paper and a, and a hymn book, and I'm thinking, I'm not quite sure what I sort of need to be doing. And the priest, a lovely priest, sort of very traditional, lots of sort of lovely chanting, quite a bit of Latin, all stuff that actually really spoke to my heart, but not something I sort of really understood sort of what was happening and why. And it was lovely having sort of my, my colleague there, uh, who actually later went on to become and my sponsor that's lovely uh, reminds me a little bit of when i worked in the in in the city i was a, a solicitor before i entered the dominicans and i used to go to lunchtime mass at a church um st mary moorfields where we had um father chris vipers the the parish priest on there he was um uh on air a couple of weeks ago and uh and it was such a lovely surprise to to bump into various colleagues 
there who with whom maybe you'd had a, a beer with before you know shared a glass of wine been in, in meetings and and not realized that you you shared this um this same faith tell, tell us a little about the the sort of the the music you described the the sort of chant and tradition did had you heard any of this music before or was it completely new to you I had been to some sort of, you know, having sort of grown up in the Church of England, uh, or at least gone to a Church of England school, I, sh- I should say. Uh, and as part of that, we did have to go to the uh, Anglican Mass at least once a term. So I had come across, and hopefully High Anglican isn't that dissimilar. So I had come across it. It wasn't sort of a totally novel concept to me. But before, when I'd heard it, it just, I just switched off. I thought, you know, this is somewhere I've got to be. It doesn't really mean anything. Think of something else, uh, you know, and sort of ponder some other problem. And then, sort of before you know it, you'll be out. So, but at this occasion, it wasn't like that it was actually i was completely engrossed i I felt i had this connection the holy spirit was talking to me and it was just lovely and beautiful and the particular bit that really stands out in my mind and my memory is the eucharistic prayers i absolutely just adored it uh you know as as i was thinking of the the actual body and blood of of christ in front of me and Mm. actually you know such a special place it felt so spiritual it felt so special and i felt so much love and I started to sort of really sort of feel feel the impact a lot of a lot of the teachings. It really encouraged me then. Actually, it showed me which bits of the Bible I now need to go and read in order to sort of to, to develop that connection to build that relationship. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think it's a, it's a great lesson to to those of us who are, are cradle Catholics as as well who who perhaps have like heard the scriptures so many times and have heard these these prayers of the mass so many times but but maybe never really listened um or not listened lately to um to go back to those those prayers it sometimes strikes me as a as a sort of priest in in a way that it hadn't um before particularly with the the collects of the of of the mass um how rich in teaching they are there's so much theology contained in these prayers of the mass which sometimes just sort of washes over us and and that and that's that's okay i think for the the experience to sort of almost like bathe in the mass but every now and then i think we need to actually engage with these texts and and realize how much is in them we're going to go to uh your your final um selection uh which is um that uh sort of great him um which seems very very appropriate for this sort of awakening that that's going on in in your life at that point um it's uh, how great thou art and this is taken from uh, winchester cathedral
You're listening to Radio Maria, and this is Awakenings, our program with testimonies of faith and conversion. And we've been privileged to be joined here today in the London studio by Mark Houston, who's been sharing with us his conversion uh, story. And we were listening earlier to his sort of incredibly powerful experience of, of reading the the scriptures and really sort of being convicted by the by the spirit and then that first experience of, of going to mass and being moved by the by the music and uh, and seeing the depth of the the prayers of the liturgy especially the the eucharistic prayers and so i'm wondering if, if mark you could tell us a little bit sort of now about what 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 you did and what sort of steps you then needed to take to be received into the church yeah well firstly i wanted to do a lot of scripture reading uh, but it, not sort of Genesis and the Old Testament. That is very important. I do dip into that sort of regularly. It's a very important context. But of course, you know, we need to look at everything through the lens of the New Testament. And I was actually a lot more familiar with the New Testament than I was with the with the Old Testament anyway from my sort of uh, from my previous education. So I opened up and sort of just I sort of let God decide sort of which bits of the the Bible I need to read. And I was reading the bit from the Gospel, I believe, Matthew. Um, which says that, you know, we should actually love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, which was a really key message for me because I'd gone through life almost believing that, you know, if people want to be forgiven, we should forgive them. But actually, if people are going to persecute us and oppress us, you know, it's aptly, it's justified that actually we should fight back. And I really felt, again, another message from the Holy Spirit, Mark, you know, you need to sort yourself inside. Before you look to do too much externally, you actually need to sort of clean up inside and you actually need to sort of listen to the guidance from the Holy Spirit. Is. I was very keen to then sort of be received into the church. That felt like it was going to be the next step. I was almost an obsession. I was really sort of hungered to be able to take the Eucharist at that point and sort of be as fully immersed as I possibly could be. So I spoke with the, the, the parish about that, and they said, yes, you know, there's uh, luckily, you know, there's the, the um, uh, right of Christian initiation in adults, the RCIA course, had actually just started, but they said, we've only just sort of, it's only been one week. You're very welcome to, to come along to that. So I was incredibly excited, and I sort of went to that. It's a very good course. It was run by, there was a couple of people uh, in the parish running it, very experienced, had a really good in-depth knowledge of Catholicism, very good at explaining everything. It was a really nice group, people from all sorts of different backgrounds. Some people sort of had you know, never really opened a Bible, understood like literally nothing. Other people, there's another chap who was sort of high Anglican, understood the faith in debt, but wanted to convert to, to Catholicism, and a number of sort of that were somewhere in between. So I, I, I did that course and I, I absolutely loved it. Excellent. Um, and uh, were, were there any things that you were reading or, or anything that, that helped sort of guide you in your, in your reading of the scriptures that you'd recommend to our listeners? I listened to a lot of Word on Fire, so Bishop Robert Barron. I had the pleasure of sort of uh, seeing him live at the Catholic Voices Conference a few months ago. He's one of the people who give me a huge amount of inspiration. And Father Mark Schmitz as well. Uh, gives a lot of very valuable lessons because I find you in I'd always recommend people read scripture but actually it's helpful to have that guidance as to how we understand that scripture uh, to a certain extent be guided by the Holy Spirit let it speak to you but I definitely wanted to complement that and we obviously advised the different sources to read through the RCIA course uh, and obviously speaking to my sponsor who happened to be my sort of former work colleague as well and that gave me a really really good grounding okay and so what uh what what date are we talking here? What what year is the sort of ICIA course? We're talking in twenty eighteen. Okay, um, so still still very very so, re very very recent. 
um, in some ways. But those those are two great names, and uh, I recommend them to 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 all all listeners. And uh, they're doing an enormous amount of uh, good for the church. Um, do you want to how how long did sort of RCIA last, and what was the uh, what what was the experience of actually being being received in like? So it was a seven-month-long course. We met every week, every Thursday. Uh, oh, and the actual being received in was beautiful. It was the, because uh, obviously for adults, it's the uh, Easter vigil mm. on the Saturday evening. And it was absolutely lovely. I remember, you know, I various things were kicking off at work, actually. I was sort of on call for part of the weekend, actually. But I completely blocked that, the whole of that Saturday off. I said, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to devote my whole time to this. And it's just all the preparation was so exciting. We went along to the church to just sort of run through everything uh, with the priest, etc. And it was just beautiful. Those three hours, I'm not great at sort of sitting down. I'm sure I'm still a little bit hyperactive inside, actually. <laughs> less than I was as a child, I'm sure. But uh, but it wasn't an issue. I, I could have been there for four hours, five hours. Hours. It's just this wonderful experience and going up, taking the fir- my first Holy Communion and then, you know, the feeling as I was actually being confirmed and actually, you know, I, I really sort of, I could feel, literally feel the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm thinking about something that's metaphorical. Uh, this was an actual physical presence of the Holy Spirit inside me. I was just so happy. I was sort of smiling and I, I couldn't think of anything other than how wonderful God is, how much God loves me and how God is guiding me in my life. So many things that I put down to coincidence. I'm in the right place at the right time. I meet the right people. I've had the, well, I haven't been successful at one interview for a role, but actually it's been better because then I've gone on to a better job. And I suddenly realised God's plan for me. It was just absolutely wonderful. Well, we're, uh, we're we're smiling and nodding in the studio as we're listening to that. It's very very beautiful. And uh, what did your what did your family and friends think of their uh, of their well informed uh, uh, sort of science? scientism uh friend uh now radically altered in 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 his beliefs and convictions they were certainly surprised uh at this point i actually got to know through a young walkers group i'd got to know a couple who were catholic although we'd never really spoken about faith they'd always seen me as someone very scientific and sort of very unlikely to ever become a person of faith Uh, my parents were even more surprised uh, and I can't say hugely happy. They certainly weren't supportive. They, I don't think they took it seriously. When I first told them about the experience of the Holy Spirit, I mean, they, they were very pleased about that because they themselves being of faith. But when I said, and I want to go to the Catholic Church, they didn't really take it seriously. They, no, they made some sort of fairly sarcastic comment of, well, tell us how much gold is in there. You know, a bit of a dig to their previous belief that, you know, the church is just full of gold. I never really thought I'd actually convert to the Catholic faith. They'd brought me up to sort of believe what I believed about the Catholic faith. And just they thought that that was my view and you know they were very surprised they tried to persuade me not to they said well you know come along to the the methodist church with us uh, they were supportive on one level things like they brought me a, a catholic bible which is slightly different from the protestant mm. bible but then said we don't want you reading it in the house uh, they wouldn't let me have my rosary beads physically visible to them and they really did not like any 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 catholic prayers so I was not allowed to sort of pray a Catholic prayer in front of them. They were they stayed very hostile. Uh, my late mother actually, just before she died, she called me from the hospital. It's during COVID, so sadly I wasn't able to go in and visit mm. her until the very end. But she was very apologetic about that. And on her deathbed, she actually specifically said to me, Mark, please pray a Catholic prayer over me. Gosh, that's very, very beautiful. Um, that seem, seems like a a good a good moment to um to bring things to a to a close um with a with a prayer and and perhaps we 
we pray for your pray for your your late mother as we as we give god thanks for for everything that he's worked through you and i and i pray for all our our listeners and particularly you know somebody who might just happen to be browsing the airwaves and come across this program that the the spirit might move them in the in the same way that it has mark and and i, and I give thanks for your openness to the the lord and your in your eloquent um words describing the the experience um of coming to know the lord and and the joy of that and so let's uh, pray for your mother and commend her soul to uh to our, our blessed mother that she might be joined with uh take a place up in the in the communion of saints as we pray hail mary, mary full of grace the lord, lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen so mark houston thank you so much for joining us and uh, and sharing that uh, with us um and uh, we will definitely get you back in the studio again soon um thank you so much thanks very much i look forward to joining you again soon This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website, radiomariaengland.uk, for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.